You are listening to the No Formula Podcast, episode number 35. This week, I interviewed the founders of HealthyBud, CEO Kyle Fiegenbaum, President Adrian Malka, and Creative Director Dana Ben-David. We got together in person to discuss their journey creating a new brand of healthy treats for dogs. After emotional experiences as pet parents, they embarked on this venture with no previous knowledge on how to create a product. But in just one year, they refined their idea and launched Healthy Bud. Then they went on to sell 10,000 units within the first month after launch. Find their treats at healthybud.co and follow them on Instagram at healthybudco. In the meantime, continue listening to hear more about their marketing strategies, their manufacturing process, and the benefits of creating a community. The No Formula Podcast offers a glimpse into the lives of real entrepreneurs who possess a variety of experiences and backgrounds. Through raw conversations, learn about their passions, journeys, setbacks, and milestones. Join host Laura L. Bernhardt as she confirms that there is, in fact, no formula to success. Get inspired and stay motivated throughout your entire journey. Subscribe today. So today is pretty special. I have three guests here all at once. Everyone say hi. Hello. Hi, hi. Thanks so much for being here today. So just to give the audience a little background, uh, let's just go around the table and everyone can introduce themselves. Hey, my name is Dana. Uh, I'm involved in, in the creative aspect of Healthy Bud. So anything visual, the brand, the, the voice of our company, how we appear online, uh, package design, logos, fonts, whatever. Anything that people uh, consume and digest on the internet, that's kind of my domain. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, my background is, it kind of covers a lot of different areas. <laughs> so it's not marketing at all? It's definitely not marketing. Um, that just kind of happened as an accident, I guess. I grew up playing music and singing. Um, I got a degree in architecture. I think that was around five years ago. And since then, I decided actually to transfer into, into music. And I've been doing that ever since. But how I got involved in Healthy Bud was naturally whenever you're doing something creative, usually you have to juggle a couple of different side hustles. So I picked up a lot of graphic design along the way, doing some projects with people and whatnot. So based on what I learned in university in architecture, I had a lot of transferable skills. So when Kyle and Adrian, who, who co-founded it, how long ago was it? We incorporated in February. In February. So they brought me on really early on because they asked for a lot of design help that I could just naturally do. And it's much better to do in-house. And, and I love both of them so much. We work so well together. So it's, that's kind of how I got involved in it is I've been juggling a lot of different creative fields. I think that's my background in natural. I don't know. I do a lot of stuff. That's so fascinating, <laughs> though. It's crazy that you just started on this project just a few months ago and how far you guys have come, which we'll definitely be talking about later. But it's super impressive. Do you have a similar background? Is it? I definitely don't. So first <laughs> off, thank you for having us. This no is going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Alongside, you know, the two co-founders next to me, Dana and Adrian. Started Healthy Bud in, I'd say, about October, November. Um, we really incorporated in February. We hit the ball rolling, meaning we sort of became full-time with Healthy Bud uh, in May, June. So it's really recent. So you left your job full-time to work for Healthy Bud? It was a side hustle at first. Um, Adrian had really been, you know, pushing the boundaries at the beginning of, of 2019, uh, really trying to, you know, make some, uh, make some progress, form the vision of what Healthy Bud will be, and entice me to come over and work full-time with him. I wasn't yet ready, I guess. Me, it, took, it took a while for me to say, okay, you know, we've got a well-crafted vision and a, and, a, and a strong idea here and something that we can really roll with, make something out of. And, and it's funny because when I got to that point and when I sort of said, okay, we're ready, we're ready to take this thing to another level and let's, let's start working full time. The idea that we had in say, I don't know, uh, April, May 
is not the idea of what Healthy Bud is today. It's come a long way even since then. So I left my full-time job the end of May. So you say you left a full-time job. What was this job that you left? So I, I had always been drawn to the financial markets. From a young age, I started investing. Really took a liking to the stock markets, how, how things trade, um, where companies get their valuations from, how people are deciding whether you know, investment A is a better investment than B. And so I moved into, into studying finance at Concordia, did, uh, did my thing at the banks, uh, moved to Toronto after passing what is called the, the toughest exam on Wall Street, it's the CFA. So that was a pretty grueling three-year three -year process. Once I finished that, or actually after finishing the second level out of the three, um, I started working at a boutique asset manager here in Toronto. Worked there for two years, had great experience, met with some you know, great people along the way, uh, really enjoyed working at that firm. But ultimately, I realized that you know, it, I, what I was doing on a daily basis wasn't really aligned with my core values. And it took me a lot of thinking, took me a lot of reflecting on what are my core values and what is of most importance to me as a person, as an individual. And, uh, and I ultimately decided that it wasn't that and that I was drawn to entrepreneurship over anything. I wanted to own, I wanted to lead, I wanted to create. And so... I was looking for the right opportunity and Healthy Bud ended up being that. Wow, that's crazy. Such a big jump. So I can see that Adrian had his work cut out for him to convince you to do that. But uh, you guys are doing great so far. Thank you. I think it was uh, a good <laughs> move you. on your part. <laughs> so Adrian. Hi. Hi. So thank you for having us. No problem. Um, I definitely think, uh, touching back on what Kyle was saying, I think he ended up leaving his job because uh, I was calling him a little bit too often. <laughs> so at one point, I don't think he could, uh, <laughs> I think he got tired of taking calls during work, so he decided to just leave. <laughs> he decided it was the best thing to do to just leave. But uh, no, but really, um, that, that was a, you know, that's a funny side note, but, uh, you know, I would work on the project. Uh, I was I was in between two projects at that point, and um I really believed in the, um, in a, working on a project in the pet space, not because of, not just because of the opportunity they could present us, but because, you know, I started looking into the space and seeing how, you know, the big multinational corporations were, you know, had full control of the space. And, uh, you know, because of that, a lot of, you know, there was a lot of greed in, in the space and a lot of animals were suffering because of that. And that's something that you see in the human space as well, which is a space that I, I had the opportunity of working with for a little bit. To take a step back, uh, my um, I studied in law at University of Ottawa. That was a really, really great experience. That was a civil law degree. And then I went to the University of Montreal to do my common law degree, um, which, again, was a really, really nice experience. And then um, I did my Ontario bar, and I articled with a lawyer in Montreal, which, again, was a, a great opportunity. I had done a couple of summer jobs working in some different law firms uh, to, get, uh, to get some experience in, in different areas of law, which... Um, which I really enjoyed, but I, I realized pretty fast that I, I didn't really see myself in in the law practice, and uh, I was, you know, I had a lot of passion um, in human health and the human health sector, and I decided to um, put my efforts into the cannabis space. It was a space that I was very interested in. I had the opportunity of working with uh, a lot of patients that were sick, and uh, I would help those patients get access to medical cannabis. That was really nice because I got to see that there were a lot of people in pain that, that no longer wanted to take uh, like traditional route, which is like prescription medication. And people wanted to try more uh, plant-based alternatives, not just in terms of, of, of CBD and things like that, but in terms of like different herbs that, that could help them uh, ease their pain. Then I started to, to understand that, you know, what about bringing these types of natural remedies or natural herbs to, to the pet space and different products and things that you know Kyle and I could work on to bring transparency to the space and to try to create <clears throat> products that are, are aimed at really helping the animals and when I started looking um, at the pet space because Kyle knew a lot more than me we start we sat down a few times and we realized this would definitely be a project that would you know uh, not only have a lot of opportunity but a project that would be very passionate about and I think that for the three of us we're, we're all passionate about you know pet well-being and and 
variety of products that can really just make a good impact. I guess that's where, where Healthy Bud came. It was from a lot of different directions, but we all realized that we all had a lot of passion and, and we thought that we'd have a good driving force to push this project forward because you know, if, if we didn't have that drive, then I don't think we'd be where we are today. You guys have such diverse experiences that lead me to believe why the three of you work so well together. I think the reason why this has been working so far is we all wear such different hats and they're very complimentary. So, you know, one of us is super, super practical and very business oriented. And maybe some of us are a little more emotional and, and optimistic, maybe, and bright eyed and bushy tailed. You know, we all kind of fill in the roles that need to be filled in um, at the right time. And, and we we're always just there for each other, which is really, really nice. Um, but that's I think that's why it's working. Is yeah. We've just got we've yeah. got what we need. We balance each other out well. And I thought I was a perfectionist until I met Adrian. <laughs> Sometimes I want to strangle him when it takes so long to just make our logo or, or to make our package. But but look, it's uh it's, yeah, worth, show, it's worth the wait. I show Adrian the package design. I'm like, can we send this in for print? And he's like, but wait, there's a pixel that hasn't been <laughs> colored properly. I'm like, wow. And the thing is, he's always right, which is amazing. Like, yeah. Because here's the thing, like if I'm sitting around designing something for 10 hours straight, I'm looking at like, I can't, you just need to, you need yeah, a divorce you need for like five minutes, send it to Adrian. He'll find everything that <laughs> could be wrong with it. But that's it. Like we, I love that about him. I love that about about this team is that uh, we, we've just got what we need. So it's, it's really, really fun. Yeah, that's awesome. But you mentioned something specific about greedy corporations. Was it that or was it some other opportunity that you saw in the industry where you said, oh, we have something good here? What was it where you guys were like, oh, yes, we need to be working on this? I'll just, I'll just give my thoughts on this. When you look at um, what's happening, not only in the pet space, but in the human space, I think that the, the business makes it so people are sick, they're going to consume medication, which is fair, which, which can be you know, very helpful um, a lot of the time. But sometimes there are natural avenues that can be explored. And uh, when I started reading about what was in some of these pet products from the big multinational companies without having to name any of them, if you look at the ingredients, you start to realize like something's wrong with this. Like, why is this what we're giving our pets? Like, why are these the ingredients? Why can't it be good ingredients? Well, it's simple. If you put really good ingredients, that means that your margins and your profit go down quite drastically. And so I think that the space has less oversight than the human space. Humans are more aware of what goes into these products. In the pet space, a lot of these companies have like an open avenue to just create these types of products without um, getting a slap on the hand, basically. Uh, there's less regulation. And I think that for us, when we set out on this project, we really wanted to bring awareness about this and uh, not necessarily make it so that we're trying to battle out these companies or trying to ca call out people, but more so just focus on what we can do, which is to make transparent and really high quality products. And then, you know, then it's for people to make those decisions on, on what they want to feed their pets. Like it's, mm -hmm. Our approach shouldn't be to badmouth other companies to promote our company. Our, our approach should be to promote our company because of what we're doing and, and let it speak for itself. Yeah, it's really the values and all these things you guys were discovering because of your own pets, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think both Kyle and I have, uh, each, we each have personal stories about that. Um, I grew up with a golden retriever who got very, very sick towards the end of his life. Um, he, we, we fed him on a processed diet, a uh, processed kibble diet his whole life. We, we didn't know better and it just ended terribly. And it was, it was heartbreaking. Um, didn't I'm really so understand. No, it's, it's okay. I mean, this was probably eight years ago. Kyle's story, he'll, he'll tell you, is a lot more recent, but it definitely touches home. But I think the core of the problem was that we simply didn't know better. It wasn't, of course, it wasn't a malicious decision or, yeah. or a cheap decision. And, you know, it wasn't about that. It was more like, well, this is what's available at the pet store and seems legit. So why not? And then the more you kind of get into the black hole of, of the internet and you start reading and, and educating yourself, you realize, wow, there's a, there's a really big problem here. And, and from my perspective, working with the team right now in Healthy Bud, what's resonated with me so far is how ripe the industry is and how ready it is for this kind of disruption. Because the reception that we've, we've gotten so far that I've seen online has been unbelievable. Like if I ask a question on Instagram, what are your fears? People are telling me, I don't have to go very far or to, to dig. They, they want their voices to be heard. 
I just don't know right now if there are enough companies out there willing to actually listen to the marketplace and to the pet parents like ourselves. So it's been really exciting, at least for myself, to see the amazing reception and the love that we've been getting going at this for a couple of months. So we're, I'm personally super pumped to get to know everybody's, you know, fears and concerns, and then we can work back together, get back to the drawing board and figure out how to help them as a unit. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll give my answer to that too, but I just want to take a step back. So when Adrian said he called me too often at the, uh, at the office and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and why the pet industry, because initially when, when Adrian, you know, as he said, he was involved in the, um, in the human health space and in particular with cannabis. And we saw certain trends, not only in the human space, but also they sort of translated into the, into the pet space. And uh, one of them was CBD. And so uh, in our initial conversations, we were talking about CBD for pets. That, that was uh, what we first started to explore. However, that's changed a lot. But um, I remember uh, getting phone calls and Adrian was talking to me about cannabis and, uh, and, uh, and pets. And I was supposed to respond to him while sitting in the office. I'm, I'm like, dude, my partner's in the other room and uh, I'm not going <laughs> to be okay here talking about cannabis at the firm. <laughs> so um, initially before actually we were, we were talking about cannabis for pets, we were talking about cannabis in the human space. And, um, and I said to Adrian, like, you know, if we're starting something here, we're going to have to solve a problem got to be a serious problem and and the trend in the in the human space is already there and it's kind of saturated there's so many companies that are doing cbd for humans and even publicly traded companies that have that have been at it for a while what's our angle right and uh at the time i had some experience in the pet space i i have loved dogs um, my whole life i owned a dog for my whole life and i said you know there's so much room or so much more room not that there's not a lot of competition in the pet space, there is, but there's more room in the pet space. And you see a lot of trends that start off in the human space, make their way to the pet space. Now, some big ones are premiumization, people buying more premium product for their pets, or humanization, meaning uh, people treating their uh, pets as an, as an extension to the family. And so uh, really, we, we said, you know, there's more, there's more room in the pet space and let's, and let's focus on that. And so we started to, and while we were talking about this idea and while Adrian was trying to convince me to come on full time, um, my, my dog, Roxy, so Roxy, um, she was 15 years old at the time and she very quickly got sick. Um, I remember coming home, uh, she was with my parents at the time. And I saw Roxy, it was a Friday and she was perfectly fine. I took her to the park. We were playing in the park. I took her to the dog run. She was running around like a puppy still. And then Saturday, she started to get sort of dizzy, I guess. She seemed to be dizzy. Um, she was having trouble walking. Saturday night, she actually fell down the stairs on the way uh, downstairs where she usually sleeps with me. And, and she couldn't get up the next morning. And so that morning we took her to the vet and the vet informed us that she developed a very rare form of, of uh, cancer of the blood cells. It's called hemangiosarcoma. And ultimately it was too late. And so it was pretty devastating news, I'm sure as, as you can imagine. And, and it's something that, you know, putting down a dog, euthanizing a dog is something that no loving pet owner should need to experience. I mean, it was really heartbreaking, but it led me to down a path, I guess, of, uh, of asking myself questions. Why did this happen? How did it happen so suddenly? What could I have done to prolong her life? And, you know, at the end of the day, Roxy lived a great life and, and um, we did our best to ensure of that, to ensure that she would. Um, but things happen out of the blue. So my pup Roxy's passing led me to ask myself many different questions. I wanted to understand if she was actually properly cared for. And I very quickly realized that I have no idea. Mm -hmm. And I figured that, you know, as a caring pet owner, how is it possible that I really don't understand which ingredients in their food, 
is, is good for the dog. If I'm giving the dog an adequate amount of exercise, if there's so many different questions and that made me realize there's a problem here. And it's that I, as a pet owner, I am underinformed or misinformed. And so that, you know, made me bring this idea back to Adrian and it sort of shifted our conversation from the human health space to the pet health space. And that's how we realized, you know, there is a true problem and we might be able to craft some type of a solution. And so that's what, you know, I guess that's where the discovery of Healthy Bud sort of came from. I think you also realize that the, if you had these problems, you're definitely not alone. I'm not the only one. Right. There's yeah. so many other people who probably have the exact same issues. So why not create one space where we can all gather? And, That's it. And, yeah. and, and it's not only that. It's, it's when I actually went out to try to find information. I didn't know who to turn to. So was it the veterinarian? Was it, you know, the, the, uh, was it the, the groomer? Breeder. The breeder. Well, the breeder in certain cases. Was it the shelter in, in other cases? Who, who was it that I should turn to for the proper advice? And ultimately, everybody had conflicting opinions. That's what I very quickly found out. There are a lot of corporate sponsorships that are, that are in this industry that people just aren't aware of. Uh, lots of big brands sponsor veterinarians and, and, and other institutions. At the end of the day, there's a lot of conflicting opinion. And as a consumer and as a pet owner, I didn't know who to trust. And I didn't really know where to look for the information that I wanted. <clears throat> you didn't have the knowledge back then. Like, you didn't know what you, you like. You, did you ever question what you were feeding Lofty at that time? No. Did you ever think, like, did you ever? No, like, you not know? at all. And I think that's exactly, that's the point, is that why, yeah. the reason you're probably doing it is because you're reading ingredients in your own food. Like, there's right. there's a health trend. There's a health trend right now in the human space. And that's exactly what you were talking about, humanization, is that people are starting to read ingredients now. They didn't do that 10 years ago. Right. Right. So we're reading ingredients in our own food labels. Why are we not doing it for our pets? We treat them like children. We bring them into our homes like they're our right. family. Humanization is a huge thing. People, if you're shopping in a store, whether you're shopping for a pet or you're shopping for yourself, you're using your own instincts when you're buying. If they, they say that if you, are, if you are fit and you have a healthy lifestyle and you eat well, there's a very high chance that your dog will be fit and lead a healthy lifestyle because you're... The things that you are sensitive to, they translate. Like they translate to how you take care of your pets. How you take care of yourself is, of course, how you're gonna take care of your of your loved ones, right? People looking into their ingredients for their own health is happening in the pet space. And when you start to read on labels, that actually the way I should say is, my my dad always taught me if you can't either pronounce the ingredient mm-hmm. or read it, <laughs> you probably shouldn't eat it. So it's the same thing in the pet space, right? If you're if you're reading ingredients and you're like, well, does does a pet need to have all of this wheat and corn? Like, is that is that good for them? Probably not. Do they need it? No. We could probably find an alternative where it's just pure, right? So we're mm-hmm. we're really trying to take the simple route when it comes to understanding pet health, and also when it comes to feeding your pets, whether it's treats. We're not in the food space yet, mm-hmm. but in the treat space, absolutely. So that's our angle. And, and we really just want people to understand it doesn't need to be so complicated. You just need to, you, you need, we want to empower them to ask questions. When it comes to the larger corporations, I just think it's important to, to read, read ingredients, yeah. ask questions. If you want to know where the meat comes from, mm-hmm. write them an email. Every packaging has to have um, contact information. Is there, you know, it's there. So yeah, it's definitely, I think the problem is that there's just so much so much out there. If you go to a pet store, there's like how many different brands? There's so many. So you're overwhelmed from the get-go. And how do yeah. you make a decision? Like what do you buy? And you know, you I guess some people buy based on the companies that they support because they're environmentally conscious or they like the founders, hopefully. <laughs> um, or it's simply a nice package and, and you should yeah. take it off the shelf. Once you're an established brand and you have those corporate sponsorships with different veterinarians, breeders, and all that kind of stuff, it's kind of hard to go back on your word about the products you've been selling for 20 years. So if you sell a product for 20 years and you tell everybody, hold on a second, we're changing A to Z everything we just did, you've just killed your brand, Yeah. right? It's a recipe for disaster because you're telling everyone that you made a mistake. And so how far are people willing to push it to keep making money? That's the question. You see that in the human space? You see that with different medications? You see that with potential things that have come up in 
all types of medications that have gone out or recalled. Like, I mean, it, ha- it, it just, it goes far beyond the, the pet space is, is the idea. And I think it's just um, something that when, when we look at the pet space right now, we have, a, we have a clean opportunity. We have a fresh opportunity to do something where we don't mind if we go to our, our consumers and, and tell them, we've decided that this skew is, you know, no longer good. Or, you know, we've decided that, you know, we're going to make this product because this is what's best for your pet. That's what we're about. That's what we're doing. And I think that's much harder for some other, you know, of, of the bigger corporations to do. And, um, and some of them do amazing product. And, and then some of them, some of them don't. And Adrian, on that note, if I can just add, we, we very quickly realized that the problem in the industry that we wanted to tackle wasn't the fact that there was no good product available. There's an abundance of really high quality foods and treats and, and, and products and services available for your pet <clears throat> and more specifically for your dog. But what we realized is that, and as pet owners, we realized that we simply did not know which brands we can trust and which products were actually better than the others. And so the problem that we're trying to solve is, is not let's go out and let's provide high quality food uh, or nutritional products because uh, the industry is lacking those. It's not. The issue we're trying to solve is how do we better uh, or how do we make pet nutrition or pet parenting at a higher level, simpler. And so for us, that's in a three-pronged approach, which summarizes what Healthy Bud is, and that is high-quality product and services, the best that your dog or your cat or your pet can get. That is education. How do we better inform pet parents' decisions? And that is advice. So how do we bring together the right group of partners whether it's animal nutritionists, whether it's veterinarians, to better um, advise and better guide your purchasing decisions. I like that your goal is more than providing a product, but also to educate and inform pet parents out there. So just to shift gears a little bit at this point, I want to talk about how you guys actually create the product. You have a lot of different background experience, but none of them is actually creating a product and on top of that, food for, for animals. So it was very new for us and we, we were lucky enough to have some contacts in the space that we can reach out to and get some information from. For example, uh, Mark, a very close friend of ours, was nice enough to offer a lot of his time and his advice and to get us started, to, to you know, move us in the right direction and to make some very key introductions for us. We initially, we thought, let's do this in-house. And we were trying to find the right consultants, nutritionists, and agronomists to work with to help us create our own formulations. Uh, We were looking for the proper space. We were looking for the right equipment. And we debated, you know, at one point, are we going to raise the capital now or contribute all of the capital that we have saved to do all of this in-house? Or are we going to look for the right partners to, to bring these products we had in mind to market with and we you know we weighed the pros and cons of each and we ultimately decided that we should find the right co-manufacturers here and so we did and that sort of started us onto uh, a quest that took maybe six months to eight months to find the right uh, manufacturers that we knew we can hold to high standards that were proper you know that were certified with the right in the right ways and they were food manufacturers they were food manufacturers. So they're manufacturers that worked in the pet space. Okay. And uh, they created, you know, an abundance of products and some more simple, uh, some more complex. As an example, now we have two partners. So one is based in Ontario and the other co-manufacturer is based in uh, British Columbia. And so the one that we work with in Ontario, we're really just focused on sourcing the most high quality product, keeping it very transparent, keeping it very simple for the consumer. And on the one in BC, we're really focused on developing proprietary formulas, something that is different and unique and, you know, focusing on, we call it our complete ingredient line that we're doing with them. We're focusing on specific parts of the body and how do we supplement health in in different ways to ultimately help the pet thrive. You guys spend six to seven months on finding a manufacturer and you work with them to develop 
these treats? Did you have like a recipe? Did how does how does that work? I mean, it was a really it was a really tough process for you know like I mean, we went through a lot uh, a lot of research to find you know, like like I was saying, like, are we going to do this more in house? Like, are we going to work with agronomists? You know, which are people that are doing formulations for various pet products. We ended up finding someone that is you know really well known in the space that has a lot of experience. His name is Serge Boutet. He's an agronomist in the space. You know, we wanted to get his help on creating a product that's unique, but also would be derived from his experience and seeing, you know, what works for specific, you know, needs in, in, in dogs. And so um, that's where kind of um, the, the first um, skew came in, which was something to enhance and, and help with um, gut health. And, and just to add to it, we wanted to, when we come to market with a product, we don't just throw something on the market. We want to ensure that it's, you know, something that should be on the market. You know, it's something that we've actually researched well. Um, it's something that is going to, um, you know, be good for your pet, not bad, right? And so it's important for us that, you know, we work with the best partners that we can find. And um, initially when we thought about bringing in a house, that, that would have meant, you know, getting the right certifications, getting the right equipment, bringing in the right third parties to audit your facility. And I mean, that is, that requires a lot. And we're also thinking about the future of this company, right? We see so many companies in the pet industry that are, that are making great product, but they're stuck. And they're stuck in the sense that um, they can't scale, you know? And, and oftentimes it's because their facilities aren't big enough, they can't source properly. Uh, they run into a lot of issues down the road. And so we knew that if we found the right partners early on, then we'd have the opportunity to really grow when we wanted to. And so now, because of these unbelievable partners that we that we have in place, we can scale and we can scale up really quickly. We should add something here though. I remember how many days Kai and I spent on the phone just like wanting to cry. We would reach out to companies telling them that we had developed, this was the, the point where we actually had developed our, our well, we had the first draft of our, of our formulation that is in production now, or that's finished. And we we reached out to manufacturers, but no one was interested in working with us because our we didn't have the we didn't have the resources to really do um, you know, a two hundred thousand dollar order, right? So oh. this was one of the big issues was finding someone that not only believed in us as people, but believed in the company moving forward. And 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 taking space in a in a manufacturing facility is 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 a big deal. And so they 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 have to believe that you're going to be able to be a reoccurring customer and you're going to be able to move the product. And so if you come in and say I'm already moving five hundred thousand dollars, you know, a year or every quarter. Then there's a good chance that they're going to try, you know, to produce your product. But if that's not the case and you're just starting out, you, you know, it's going to be a tough, uh, tough search. So small quantities at first. Yeah, small quantities at first. And when you went to the manufacturer, did you already have like the recipes for some products? And how did you come up with these recipes? It's a good question because we had this this formula that was developed alongside. One, McGill University, and two, uh, Serge Boutet that Adrian mentioned, who's a uh, consultant in the space. And it was a complex formula. So it was something that took us a lot of time to come up with. Um, you know, we, we weren't easy on Serge. <laughs> so, because <laughs> we wanted something really unique and we wanted to introduce something that is special, you know. And it's amazing how many manufacturers we brought that formula to and they said, guys, it's too complicated. You know, we don't we don't want to do it. And we're certainly not going to do it if you're coming to us with a five, ten thousand dollar order. We need bigger than that. And so a lot of different manufacturers tried to say, we'll work with you. Or they did say, we'll work with you, but let's dumb down the formula. Let's remove this. Let's remove that. And and we didn't want to settle. You know? Or just, you know, we think that it's too early for you guys to do this. Why don't you take one of our formulas that wasn't exactly what we were looking like? It wasn't our formula. Like it's not what we spent six months developing. So kind of we're just. We were just moving on. That wasn't our vision, and, and that's not what we wanted to be. So, yeah, if they weren't going to create what you wanted, obviously you're going to go to the yeah. next person. We could put ourselves in their totally. shoes and totally understand yeah. where they're coming yeah, from, right? Sure. It makes total sense. But again, we were looking, 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 and uh, you know, we we we, uh, we got very lucky. So yeah. you you find a manufacturer, they start producing your product, and then what? What happens next? Well, there's a lot that goes into it before <laughs> they start producing the product. So, oh, okay. So we'll bring them the formula. Finally, when we found the right manufacturer to uh, to work with us, uh, it's got to go through a lot of testing, 
So, you know, you have to, number one... How do you test pet food? So, well, it starts with sourcing. So you got to source all the right ingredients. And when we okay. brought an ingredient or a formula to a manufacturer, the ingredient list was pretty hefty. Um, there's a lot of things that we wanted inside that sometimes were harder to source than others. But once you put it all together and you create the, the right formula to achieve the, the texture and the consistency that you want, that's when you start testing. So, well, first is how do you achieve the right texture and consistency? And there's a lot of different iterations and there's a lot of changes that you're going to have to make. But finally, once you do, you move into odor tests, taste tests. You go to third parties to ensure that the, uh, to get your guaranteed analysis and ensure that you're meeting different criteria that it you know, needs to meet. We use a third party tester. It's called Bureau Verita. That's a facility that, that tested our last uh, formula. You know, odor test is a thing and taste testing is the best. Taste testing is the most fun. So when, we, when we're taste testing, we give, them, we give them to Kyle. Oh, well, <laughs> well Adrian eats them. But, but, uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> so, so we always do that. But, but no, seriously, uh, well, he actually does eat them. Yeah. Serious, but, <laughs> They're but, that good, though. That's awesome. <laughs> I, that healthy, then. Yeah, we, yeah, we source yeah. our stuff. Our stuff, like, people throw around the term human grade in, in the pet industry. But to me, it means, you know, we are feeding our dogs the same stuff that we are eating. And that's what we're doing. And so we source our sweet potato, for example, sweet potato is one of the uh, simple ingredient um, products that we give. Seriously, it's just, it's just sweet potato and it's baked in one of our manufacturers. It's an awesome product and we source it in the same farms that we'd source our sweet potato. So if you go to you know, the grocery store to buy sweet potato, you're probably buying the same stuff that we're putting into our pet treats. Um, so that's important to us. And I think the main reason I should just add as, as a small disclaimer, the main reason why we actually, we don't necessarily recommend the human market to eat our sweet potato only because it was made and it's being handled in places that's also dealing with other food that we're maybe not so sure about that isn't harmful to pets, but it's just our, our digestive system isn't really, I don't know if there's the right bacteria to, to yeah. deal with that. So, yeah. um, so that's why we keep the testing to dogs. And Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when no, we start sure. when we start testing and, and even before before we go into you know deciding which products we want to launch, first it's are these ingredients good for the dog? Okay, we consult with different nutritionists, we bring it around to different veterinarians, we try to get as much information as we can. Finally, when we realize that okay, this is these are good ingredients for the dog, then let's start testing it. Right? And so literally Dan and I have spent days at the dog run where we bring samples in and we give them out to dogs and we see if they like it. We see if they like the smell, if they like the taste, are they coming back for more? Do they? That's maybe... so fascinating. It, just watching dogs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we also came up with some, almost like a formula of like, if the dog sniffs it or takes X amount of seconds before they devour it, like it's too long. Like we want to have a product that dogs are just like, give it to me right now. I don't want to wait. We have a, we have a dog and she, she loves a lot. So if she, doesn't eat it right away it's like oh why not is it is it the texture that's off with her is it the smell like what's going on but yeah having a dog at home definitely definitely helps but that's that's what you have to do you have to just kind of get back to the source and realize that it's going to be your average dog eating these so yeah. it's great if we come up with this whole formula but if, if it's not palatable and it's not yeah, delicious and yeah. for, for them then it's not really worth it's not worth it and also we we should we should mention that one thing we really keep in mind is that it's the human space that are handling these treats as a dog mom myself and someone who walks my dog and gives her a treat every time she does something i like to reinforce that mm -hmm. uh, positive behavior i i don't want to be handling food that either crumbles in my pocket or is too oily because it sucks for me <laughs> and like we want to also yeah. take take that into consideration so it's, it's really multifaceted how we design the healthy bed treat. I want to ask you guys about shelf life. Because normally, pet parents, they go get food for their puppy, let's say, but they buy it in huge bulks. So can, can pet parents buy your products like that and keep it in their cupboard for months? Is that yeah. possible? Our treats, absolutely. We don't do pet food right now, so I don't, I don't assume people will be buying sweet oh, potato okay in massive bulks if they want to by all means we've got the product so we'd be happy to sell it to them but no i i we i think the shelf life is what two years yeah we just got 
I mean, yeah, talking for our, our complete ingredient line, we just got test results back from uh, BB Labs, and we were really surprised to see that shelf life is actually two years. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Anyways. That's hilarious. Okay, so it's just over a month. <laughs> yeah. And you guys sold 10,000 bags of yeah, your product, crazy. which we, is... We could have never imagined. Which is crazy. Yeah, I think we crazy. thought it would take us like a year to do that. No, not a year. <laughs> We, we, we thought maybe, you know, five months, four months, but um, but it happened really fast. And we're like, we can say we are sold out, which we are, but we're not only sold out, we're oversold. And so we are, you know, we're counting on our, um, our uh, manufacturers to continue to provide us with product. We're counting on our suppliers. We know that they have the, the raw product ready, but, um, you know, we've got to, we've got to move. And so... Uh, we're we're committed to all the order, orders that we can take right now. But, is this panic yeah. mode for you guys? Are you guys freaking out? Or a is little it, bit. Sometimes. Yeah? Something I, like that sometimes. I think they're good different. problems to have. Um, yeah, but how do you how, how do you solve it? Like we move. We all we all um, you know depend on each other to do certain functions in this in this company and uh, we all put pressure on each other to move as quickly as possible and we have to rely on on partners at certain points, which which sucks, you know, because we're we're so used to doing everything. We wish we can just make our own bags, but unfortunately, we don't have the proper machine, so we, we can't do that. We'll get um, there, we'll, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. But, but one thing that happened to us, for example, was we had a shipment that we had to send into New York. And, big uh, shipment. A big shipment, and uh, what ended up happening was that um, Kyle and I were following. We we're tracking. I mean, we're both we're both a little we're hawks about tracking <laughs> So we were we were we were just seeing that our inventory was stuck in, in Mississauga and we were trying to understand what, what's going on here. I mean, you know, it was it was a tight deadline and uh, Kyle and I try to respond to emails within like seven seconds. So we're, you know, we're a little but but really we try to be really responsive and we, we, we see that as like a like as respect for the people that we work with and we try to be really like on on point and and what happened with this situation was that unfortunately there was a mistake that happened with the courier and on our and our delivery wasn't wasn't gonna make it on time to go through a delivery, and uh, we we and we stayed up all night and it was it was it was it was it was a, it was a tough pill to swallow right because on our end we did everything we could but again I think it's that's what's gonna happen in a startup is that a lot of these things are gonna happen and it's it's your job to you know, be strong enough to overcome these things. And I think we can all help each other. Like Dana will be like, Hey, like, don't worry guys. Like, you know, and, and we just, we just, we keep going, we keep pushing forward. So there was no way that this shipment was going to get to New York. It didn't go through. Yeah. And we knew yeah. like two days before, we knew yeah. before and, and you know, it was a big it, order. It was a big and order. And they never got it? Never no, they it. never got it. But um, <laughs> it was a big order. It was but, like a couple of thousand. Bags. Yeah. We, we, we totally botched that one, but. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. We ended up driving to Brooklyn. Okay, I was going to say, I'm like, yeah. you guys drove there, right? Well, listen, you know, this whole industry, is, we're all about relationships. We want to really, we actually want to get to know our partners and, and show them the love that we show each other. And yeah, we just kind of got into the car and they were having an event and we brought some Montreal bagels and some whiskey and we're like, we're sorry, just give us one more chance. Like, <laughs> we're noobs at this, but I promise we're, we're good people. So this is who you were shipping it to. Yeah, that's who you went to yeah, go see. absolutely. And and you know we were hoping that we would get a second chance. We know that not not everyone gets second chances, so we felt very very lucky and very grateful. And um, you know that's part of that's part of the journey. So you guys there. got it. You guys got the second chance. We got a second chance. Okay, yeah, yay. yeah. You guys sold ten thousand bags in your first month. How did you do that? What I know this is a very loaded question, and there are many components to it. Mm -hmm. But can we break down? break them down and kind of go through them. Because I think what you guys created is really fascinating and you guys got so much success so quickly. And my mom bought half the inventory. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, she's telling her Adrian's mom bought 10,000 bags. Okay, for everyone listening, I just, they all stared at me funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Adrian just confessed. <laughs> no, but it, in reality, it is, it definitely is multifaceted. Like, there are different there are different streams of how you'll make sales. There's in store. There's online. There's subscription boxes and subscription boxes have been huge. That was an idea idea that Kyle brought to the table that has really changed the course of Healthy Bud because it, it was also a boost of confidence, right? Like here we are, we're new, we're really we're confident about our vision in the space, but 
so many companies come to the forefront and they're like, all right, here's my product. And then it's just kind of like tumbleweed, you know, cricket, cricket, and nothing happens. So having these subscription boxes that are actually looking, it's, it's such a good value exchange because we have something to offer them. It's a new product, it's Canadian, but it's a, it's a great value exchange. So we give them a product that they are really interested. It's new and fresh for their customers and we get exposure and we get, you know, they're, they're excited about us and they're trusting us and, and that energy and that positivity and that yes, that everyone craves toppled on top of the next yes is like, okay, now we've got the momentum and now we keep moving forward. So I definitely don't want to kind of overlook that. I think that them accepting us into their boxes has been beneficial on so many different fronts. You got your product in subscription boxes exactly. for, for pets or pet parents, right? Mm-hmm. How many subscription boxes did you get in and was that all part of the launch? Um, so it was. When we were launching, we were, we were trying to think of all these different unconventional ways to get traction. To us, traction was key. We were so excited about launching this, this grand idea that is Healthy Bud. And, um, believe me, it's not just a nutrition company. We have so much more to do. But our idea was let's start with treats because we can very easily um, uh, compete in that well I don't want to say very easily but we can it's easier to compete in that space than it is in the food space and in the food space it takes a lot more connections a lot more time and uh, and we thought you know let's start with treats and let's really kill it in that in that space and then bring our um, our experience to the food space and so uh, we did that to really develop the community to get people to, you know, see who we are, see who's behind Healthy Bud, see what Healthy Bud is all about, and um, and move from there. So what's crazy on being a perfectionist is that, you know, I remember when we were creating the logo for Healthy Bud, um, we initially had it as the edges of it were squared off, mm-hmm. you know, and I was looking at it, and we had already gone through so many iterations, like trying to create this logo, and we really just or me personally, I really just wanted to move to the next step. And Adrian kept going back to one letter. Oh no, the T is too long. Oh no, the L is too long. And then ultimately what that led us to do is to change the logo from being squared off to being rounded. And now our logo is rounded. And I know it's such a small detail, but when I look, because I guess we see our logo so much, but when I look at the logo that's squared off, I just, I want to throw my computer out the yeah, like, window. I can't look at it anymore. So, so I, I remember, you know, back then my first thoughts were, oh my God, we need to move on. This is taking too long. Now my thoughts are, you know, I really appreciate that Adrian, you know, made me like just delayed us in a sense and made me think about, okay, we need to make these changes. And now like they mean the world of a, of a difference to me. I, something I learned in architecture school is you're never done a creative project. You just abandon it because you can actually work on creativity until the day you die you can always make it better you can always find flaws or quote-unquote flaws um and that's something that's very very difficult especially in package design because at the end of the day there's a whole line of production waiting behind there's a whole line of production waiting behind my submission right so the logo was one of the first things and we were even trying to decide do we have an icon do we have an icon next to the text and i remember right before, you know, leading up to launch. And we wanted to launch in September and then we got delayed and we were delayed till October. Um, but finally, when, you know, the beginning of, of October um, came, I was thinking, I was nervous. And uh, it was at the end of September, I was sort of, I had a few sleepless nights and I remember thinking, how are we gonna actually get traction? And at the time I was reading a book, uh, a friend of mine gave, gave to me, um, Gabriel Weinberg, is, is the author's name, it's called Traction. And in that book, he talks about all these different unconventional ways that you know previous successful startups have actually figured out how to get customers. You know, for us, my, my first thoughts were, and, and we, we didn't mention him before, but we've got another team, really important team member, Jason. He has experience uh, you know, on UI, UX development. He's an absolute genius when it comes to developing web platforms. Um, in every sense of the word. And he specialized and he had friends that specialized in, you know, advertising online. So whether that's Facebook advertising, any kind of social advertising, Google AdWords. And we thought, let's focus there. But really, we didn't have the capital to do that. 
And so we're, we're trying to just think up different unconventional, more organic ways of getting customers. And so the first idea, and Dan and I came up with this one, was why don't we walk dogs? Seriously, why don't we walk dogs? And so I, I remember thinking, wow, I'm, I'm quitting my job in finance that I just worked six years to, to get to. I just got my CFA. I studied for three years, studied my ass off with some of my you know, closest friends. And now I'm quitting and my partners are going to see that I'm walking dogs. And, so and you made me do it. <laughs> so I walked the dog. Definitely not. I was the first one to walk the dog. You were right. It was lazy, right? And, and, I, said, was and I said, you know what? Screw it. Screw it. I don't give a crap. You know, I, re- I really, I don't know if you can swear on your podcast, but I don't give a shit. Yeah. And, and let's, let's just go for it. And, and I did it. And I sucked it up. And I said, I'm going to walk dogs. I'm going to have an amazing time doing it because I love dogs anyways. I'm going to make basically no money. <laughs> but that, at the end of the day, that's not what matters, right? It, what matters is that I was meeting potential customers. I was having fun taking care of their dogs. They were trusting me to walk their dog or babysit their dog, which I actually really enjoyed doing. And I was also understanding our customer base and I was understanding what they actually wanted, what they were buying for their, for their dogs, what type of foods they were feeding them, how they, what type of uh, app applications they were interacting with. So it was and like your market research. Right. It was a bit of market research, yeah. you know, and that and that was the first. Yeah, how do we how do we see, you know, if people will actually like what we're presenting here, and uh, and that gave us a, some small hints. Of course, you know, we did more market research after that, but it started to give us hints of what people wanted, what they were looking for, um, how informed they were when it came to nutritional choices, and so that was the uh, you know that was the first way of of getting a little bit of traction. Um, we said, okay, from here, how do we blow this up and make it a bit bigger? Okay, let's talk to dog walkers. So we don't have to do the walking ourselves. Let's talk to dog walkers. Maybe they'll be willing to you know, work with us. Maybe we can run some kind of partnership with the dog walkers. We looked into that for a little bit. From everything you've told me so far, you guys came up with the product, developed the formula, got it in a manufacturer, and also got it in stores. But I feel like that's a lot of things to do in such a short period of time so I don't know if there's like a timeline that you can share or just kind of like how long did everything take you and in terms of like reaching out to the to the partners to the the retail stores especially there must be a lead time where you're talking with them discussing how many to give them how many they want to buy so on and so forth so just kind of how did you do it (laughs) In terms of timeline, what really took us a while to figure out was our manufacturers. Like I said, we wanted to find and work with only the best partners that are out there. We hold our partners to a very high standard as uh, our customers should, you know, hold us to. I, I can't even tell you how many different sample products we went through. Seriously, different pipes from, you know, from different cities. We've gone through them all. Not only was it hard to find a partner that was willing to take us up on this crazy, you know, idea to make this pretty complex formula, but uh, it took a long time for us to find the partner that, you know, we knew that we could trust. And so getting into retail stores, yeah, it takes a little bit of time. You go, you find the right ones, you speak to the owner. If you're lucky, you can catch the owner in the store. You get to know the owner, you introduce them to your product, and, you know, maybe they'll take, 35, 50 units, it doesn't take too long, but you know, finding the right manufacturers to partner with is really what took a while. So in terms of timeline, we started looking in October, November of last year. And uh, you know, we only got to launch our product October of this year. So it was a lengthy process. We spoke about retail, the subscription boxes. You guys also sell your product online. But I also know that you guys are trying to form a community of informed pet parents. Can you speak to us more about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's at the core of our our values is community. That's where our market is. Our market is online. Our market's on Instagram. They're on Facebook. And if you look around you at restaurants, in the park, on the streets, in cars, like I would say a pretty high percent chance that someone will be on their phone or looking at their phone. That's just where the eyes are. So, um, we're we're in a pretty fascinating time right now where we could potentially reach the world at our 
we have the world at our fingertips. So at the same time, like the, the good news is everybody's online and the bad news is that everybody's online. So like we, at the same time, we're kind of we're competing with everybody, but we also have a chance. So um, what's, what we're really trying to do, or at least what, what I'm trying to do online right now is, is hear them out. So there's a lot of polls happening. There's a lot of DMs that are, there's no bots. There's none of that automated stuff. Um, all of our followers are organic. Our, I, I really make a point to ask pet parents what, what their fears are and to ask what, what do they want? What, what are they interested in seeing us make and just make them feel heard. I think that's at the core of, of, of many people's desires as well, just to feel heard. And I don't know how many, how many companies do that. I'm not sure. I'm not saying they don't, but I definitely, I definitely know that that's, that's something that I've taken um, a, a lot of enjoyment in. That was I worked in, in that in the music space for the last two years, being, um, I guess you could call it like an, a talent manager. And and a big part of my role was to just hear hear people out and come up with solutions to make everybody feel 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 good. So we want pet parents to feel feel good and confident. So from all these polls and asking them questions about their fears and what they want, is there something that stuck out? from what they've told you, something that you can share? The main thing that stuck out was that people are looking, they're looking to trust a company. They're looking also just for listening ears and and someone to help guide them because they love their pets so much. And here we are coming to the space saying, we're gonna make pet parenting simpler for you. We're here for you. Um, now, now tell us what, what do you need, right? I think that something I've noticed on Instagram was people really enjoy putting themselves in their pet's place like a lot of a lot of pet parents speak in the as if they're the pet so they'll be like oh I love I love the treats as if they ate them like they really do I think there's something psychologically deep going on with this people creating Instagram accounts for their pets right so we have to keep that in mind that at the end of the day we're not selling to pets we're selling to pet parents and we're not speaking to pets we're speaking to pet parents right so I'm excited about the massive community that's available to us online and to create an empire of well-educated pet parents in the pet space that, you know, they can trust us to be their one-stop shop and to always find really interesting and new information in, in one space online. If I can just add, I think... Um Community is so important to us. We call ourselves an educational first platform and we've got so much more to come on that. We are focused on providing education to our our community. And what's amazing is we've realized very quickly that our community provides a lot for us, not only in the form of feedback and when you talked about research, how do we how did we decide that we actually had a product market fit? Well, it was a lot of the research, uh, a lot of the feedback. Um, the product market fit actually came from a lot of the feedback that we were receiving from our, you know, followers online. Um, and, and at the same time, it's not only, it's not only that feedback, it's also their willingness to share. So like yeah. Dana was saying, you know, there's something special with the people that are, are behind these, these pet accounts on, on Instagram, for example. What's truly amazing is that they want to share. They want to be a part of their pet's life. They want to, they want to help. Um, they want to back the companies that they like. And so, you know, we, we just uh, brought on, a, it's all real. And we love using that, that content. You mentioned content creator. Is that a fourth member of the team or is she like a brand ambassador? Well, the fourth member of the team is, is, is Jason. He's been with us all along. He's super important to everything that we're doing. He's much smarter than all of us. Oh, he's much smarter yes. than us. <laughs> His IQ is like if, if we could add up our three IQs, like he'd just be double that. Right? <laughs> he, yeah, he's amazing. He's amazing, and and he's also like we said, the three of us have a very different set of skills, with very diverse backgrounds, and Jason is that fourth individual who has a completely different skill set than we do, um, and that's much more on the side of development. And, and, and advertising and tech and, and marketing. So he's really helped with, with all of that. We, we do have a, we, I guess we have, we have an addition that's, that's going to come on board to help us out because our plates are just getting so full. I, I look at the branding and social media online presence side of the company is 
a pretty heavy one. It's a pretty important one. Um, and so far I've been managing that by myself, but I've, I've realized that it needs to be split into two in order like at, to keep up at the pace that, that these two guys are going right now. I need to move at that same speed and between like package design and creating content and then engaging with the community. Like it's just, it's a lot. So I don't want any of that to, to break. So the second we feel like we have our hands way too full, that's when we realize, oh, we're in a good spot. We actually should bring somebody in. So we kind of split the role into content creator and then community manager. So because I understand the vision um, in a very different way than this content creator would, I'll be the one who's still talking in the DMs and, and commenting on other people's posts and she'll help create content that we could share. Yeah. Shifting gears a little bit, I want to know what the hardest decision you guys had to make throughout this process. If you guys want to talk about it. I know what mine is. I just, I might leave this to you guys. Really? I want to hear yours. You guys can all have different ones. I think, okay, for me, the hardest decision was to decide if I should work with my boyfriend and his best friend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can just speak for Kyle and I, like, Ever since we started dating, we've always had this like entrepreneurial bond where we just wanted to create something together. And we always just kind of come to that, even though they always say, don't mix business with pleasure and don't do that. But there are some scenarios where that's where the magic happens, right? Like you can't really live always by the book. Yes, technically, if I was maybe if I'm being really smart and safe about it, I'd be like, no, I can't. I can't do this. But it just seems like it's this this three this group right here. I find we're so we're so compatible, I find, to to build and create something powerful and, and change life-changing in this industry, that it would be crazy for me to not do it. So it was going back and forth between, is this the right thing to do? And I also, because my, my background isn't in the pet space, it's just that was, for me, one of the more difficult things to do. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that in a sense. It's always difficult. But for me, the, the most difficult thing is definitely leaving work in finance. I, I had spent a long time trying to get to the point where I was at and I felt pretty comfortable with the trajectory that I was on. And, and I was working with some awesome people. Um, I, was, uh, I was really starting to build some momentum in the space, but I really started to think about what was of most importance to me. Um, you want to get up every morning and you want to really enjoy what you're doing. And I thought there's certain times in your life where you just have to take a chance and if I wanted to take a chance and, and give something a shot, you know, entrepreneurship and it happened to be the pet industry that was, that was calling for me, um, now's the time to do it. You know, I, I don't have that many responsibilities and, uh, and I could take that chance. And so I did it. But for me, at the end of the day, you're not going to have the drive that you need to succeed if you're not passionate about what you're doing. And entrepreneurship was made, was what lit that fire underneath me and was what brought out the passion and and now I'm feeling it and I'm, I wake up every morning and I'm super excited to do what I'm doing and I'm extremely driven I, I'm always pushing the boundaries trying to trying to succeed and trying to make something out of this crazy dream that you know we had and, and this vision that we continue to have and we want to um, you know accomplish mm -hmm. I think for me the the hardest thing was um, was also abandoning a project that uh, meant a lot to me that I had worked many years to uh, to get to, which was um, that I started a project called Holistic Cure, where I was um, helping patients. You know, that was a that, that's a project that I I've put on on the side right now to to give my full attention to to this project. I think that um, what's great for me is that I'm someone that needs to be passionate to 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 wake up in the morning and feel happy and and to have a lot of drive. And so when I put my my hundred percent focus into something. Um, I always achieve great things. Um, and so um, I'm, I'm just really happy to wake up and, and work with friends and work with people that respect my crazy mind. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I feel like we're, we're, we're on the cusp of, of achieving really amazing things. And again, making, making a difference in a space that, that um, I feel really passionate about, about being involved in, which is to make pets' lives better and, and educate people about how to get closer to their pets, which is in and of itself helping people live a better life and, and have more happiness. On a more personal level, do you think there is a recipe to reaching success? Honestly, there's 
definitely, I mean, I'm pretty certain that there is no recipe for success. I've spoken to so many different co-founders, founders, entrepreneurs, and I know that everybody's taken their own unique route. Um, so I love, that's why I was drawn to your podcast in the first place. And, you know, North Formula is an awesome name because I just don't think there is a formula. And for us, the one common factor that I can see in most successful startups is passion and hard work or the two common factors. Yeah, right. it's, it's passion, hard work, and it's drive. And um, we all work our asses off and we're all super passionate about this space. And we're driven. We're driven to make a change and we're driven to make something pretty amazing out of nothing. So to wrap things up, I just want to know, what are the big plans for Healthy Bird in 2020? You know, speaking on behalf of the three of us, finding different channels to, to drive sales and to drive awareness to the project is in and of itself probably the biggest thing. So one of the things that I'm going to be focused on is the, um, the Healthy Bird platform, where we're going to be working with some amazing veterinarians and, and people that are very knowledgeable in the pet space and have you know a variety of different skill sets. And, you know, we just want to build out this platform for you know people to have access to uh, quick information and um, we're going to be able to help those that uh, don't have access to insurance and things like that for their pet and that are going to be able to feel supported in their um, in their day-to-day while they take care of their pet and so um, that's one of the areas that I'm, I'm really excited to uh, shift my focus to so that I can really um, you know tailor to, to those pet owners and, and, and help them find tailored solutions for, for, for their different pets. Yeah, I love it. Always more than just the product for, for Healthy Bud, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Healthy Bud, most importantly, is so much more than a consumer product company. That's um, It's not really what sums us up. And we're all about, you know, how do we how do we make pet parenting simpler for all the pet parents like us out there? And so we're focusing on education first, and we're focusing on, on proper advice. Beginning with nutrition and education, Healthy Bud is all about making pet parenting simple. Um, we have a platform that's upcoming. Um, it's going to offer pet parents a trusted source uh, for health tips, pointers, of course, the high-quality food products and treat products that we're already starting to offer. Uh, preventative care services um, is going to be really interesting for us to venture into. It's all going to be veterinarian-backed and uh, obviously just a wealth of pet ownership advice um, you know, um, ideas or information we can provide to, uh, to our uh, community. So we're going to be introducing all different types of elements on this platform in the coming few months. So stay tuned. Uh, from my angle, something I'm really looking forward to in 2020 is really growing the community. Um, you know, followers isn't just a number for us. It's really like we look at it as individual individual people that are engaged in what we're doing and we just want to up that number so that we can actually build our, our healthy gay. Um, we'd love to see like, the engagement go up, people asking more questions, us having more answers and looking forward to a lot of um, new and interesting content in 2020. Thanks for your time, by the way. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for doing this with us. This yeah. is cool. Well, thank you and guys thank for you. being here. Telling me about your story and everything that you guys have learned along the way. So this was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking an interest in us. This is great. (laughs) So happy to share. Before ending this episode, I want to ask all the pet parents if pet nutrition is a concern. Further, I thought it was so interesting that Healthy Bud was able to give us insight on how they're building a community around their brand and also the whole process for their manufacturing. Overall, it was so interesting to learn about pet nutrition and the industry itself. I hope you guys love this episode. Please subscribe and leave a review.